Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And Stephen. Hello there. I'm glad to have you both on the podcast this week because, uh, Stephen, we spoke a little bit last week about the two of you like going back and playing a bunch of PS2 games. You've both been talking about it a bit on uh, on Twitter. Um, so, we, Stephen, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit briefly what you played last week. But, James, what have you been playing? Um, so, ever since Resident Evil 2, the remake got announced, I thought, hey, I haven't played those games that I talk about, like, you know, that got me into gaming really hardcore for so long. So, mm. I went back to... The old PS1 Resident Evils. Um, I forced one of my friends to play them, one of them. And um, I just, yeah, I've just been hammering those. And I had some time off work, so I've been pretty bored at home. So I was like, why not? Mm. You know, nothing's really coming out. Why not go back in time? So yeah, like pretty much all the the very f- the first four ever Resident Evil games, all the spinoffs. Um, so is that then- where your, your, like, your hardcore love of gaming really began? I guess... Like I like I've been playing. I played in like Nintendo games, n- like NES games, I guess, since I was three. But sure. Like the ones that I was like, like the first time I ever like kind of immersed myself into you know forums on the internet and like storylines and characters and stuff was probably Resident Evil. So, um, mm. yeah, I guess so. Like that's that's what I mean when I say hardcore. Like I played games since ninety three. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. So um, yeah. But this this was the first time yeah, I really got into a franchise and like you know, just loved everything about it. Still yeah. do. I don't know what game that would be for me. I'm trying to think back. Like when did I would I consider myself like a hardcore gamer? Like what what sort of really flicked that switch? I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really that. I didn't really think about it. But then like, I guess like just talking about it now, yeah, it's the, probably the first time I legit like you know immersed myself in everything to do with the game. So yeah. Mm. Mm. So has that been the same sort of approach you've taken to it, Stephen, or have you just sort of been kind of rummaging through your PS2 games and grabbing whatever stood out to you? I mean, honestly, it's been games that James has said, hey, you should play this like a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'll play it one day, I promise. And Were then... you the friend that he was forcing? No, no. no. Another friend. <laughs> this was another one. Um, yeah, he's been getting through Resident Evil games, which I mean, it's been fun to watch. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I'm going to be a friend forced to play through Resident Evil 2 or I'm going to do it of my own volition because I've never played Resident Evil 2. I've played like everything but 2 and 3. So I feel like I really need to get through the first one or get through the original RE2, I should say, before the remake comes out. I want to have that point of comparison a bit. Yeah. Well, without without dropping like too big a bombshell, I've, I've never actually played a Resident Evil game. Yeah. That might not, not surprise you. Um, so I don't know. Like, where where do you think I should start, James? Like, which is the best Resident Evil game? To That's jump such into? a hard question at this it's, point. Yeah, it's a really hard <laughs> question, and like, so many games. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But then, like, someone who's never played them before would pick it up and be like, oh my god, this is so hard, or this just doesn't control well. Like, yeah, you know, my my brain is just like wired to think that these games are really good. Um, I was tempted because I've got a PS VR headset. I was tempted to pick up Seven so I could like. Well, play Seven that in VR. Seven's a great spot to start because it doesn't really like it's it's its own thing. Do you know what I mean? It's more or yeah. less a reboot, really, like a yeah. soft reboot. And, um, and my my understanding is that a few of them have been a lot more sort of like action adventure sort of games, and I, I don't think that would appeal to me as much as. I mean, if you like your horror. your big 
set PC action games, four, five, uh-huh. and six are probably up your alley. Yeah, I mean, uh, four like, kind I do, of define like that genre really. Yeah, that's true. But I guess like four, four, Resident Evil Four, especially like Stephen said, really kind of ushered those that era of games in. Like it's a yeah, super okay. influential game. Okay. Um, more so than the first four, as much as I love them. Like, I think Resident Evil mm-hmm. 4 itself, which is actually the fifth game, um, <laughs> is, is yeah, like, super influential. Like, it influenced Gears of War, and I'm sure it influenced a lot of other games. Like, mm. Ewan, your third person over the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it had RPG game. elements. Yeah, yeah, the first ever game. <laughs> to do that was probably Resident Evil Four, so maybe yeah. And maybe you can for play the them- sake of my education. I should I should make an effort to play. You that. can play them all on PS4 now. Like yeah, the the what the ones that really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think Seven would be a good place to start if you want just something that's like really stripped back, really horror. Um, if you can get a VR, like VR just elevates it to that next level. Um, yeah. V like Seven sold me on VR. Like I know it sucks right. because we put Two's not going to have that, but. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just just crazy good. Yeah, I think okay. I agree on Seven. Like, it sort of does all the same things. All the th- all the things that I've really enjoyed about the first Resident Evil or the remake that I played as the first Resident Evil game, all the things that brought me into that game that I loved about it are here in RE7, but kind of in a 2017 way, I guess. It sort of has the same elements, but in a way that doesn't feel outdated. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. I've got a fair few options there. I think I've got, like, the first Resident Evil installed on my Vita, of all things, for whatever reason. I don't know if I'd pick that up free I don't know if I'd play that, or... to be honest, anymore. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I think if you wanted to play... It and, mm. and that's on PS4 as well yeah. now. And that's yeah. just, that just, like, completely eclipsed the original in every way, I reckon. Yeah. So. That's that's the one where they majorly overhauled the controls, right? Yeah, no. yeah. Oh well, they've changed. Oh, the oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah they that's did. Right. They, it's a little bit more like I guess approachable for newbies. Yeah, um, yeah. That's exactly what I am, a newbie. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, game is made for you, Ewan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would sort of not be true to my character if I skipped out on that path. Do you like like puzzle adventure games? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because like it's that. The, the first three, the first two games are very. Uh, so I didn't really ab- agree with Stephen, just despite him, but it's true. <laughs> they do have, like, puzzly adventure game-esque elements, you know? Okay. All right. Um, yeah. I've always enjoyed the puzzle elements of, like, Tomb Raider and Uncharted, so... Is it, yeah, is it and they're not even of... puzzles, really. So, no, like, you'll... Yeah, no, you no. should definitely... I don't know, give it a go. And then we'll okay, get you cool. onto Silent Sweet. Hill, and then you're set. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's another one I really should play. Uh, but we must really get to the news. Um, we've got a bit to discuss this week. Uh, firstly, the Nintendo Switch is uh, doing all right. Uh, Nintendo have revealed that as of June 30th, Switch had sold 19.67 million units, rivaling the sale numbers of the PS4 early in its life cycle. Uh, these 19.67 million units have been sold in 15 months, whereas the PlayStation 4 sold 20.2 million units in its first 16 months. If the sold so if the Switch sold more than 530 units last month, in the month of July, uh, it would have outpaced the PS4, having seen only one holiday season compared to the PlayStation's two that it saw in its first 16. Uh, thanks to at GoNintendoTweet on Twitter. GoNintendoTweet is such a weird handle. Uh, anyhow, on Twitter for those numbers. <laughs> um, friend of the show, at Jamie Penning, writes in, just like you can, by tweeting us at press.au, and asked, with the new Switch sales figures released, do you believe that Nintendo can still make 
make 20 million hardware sales in this fiscal year, that being from April 2018 to the end of March 2019. Um, it's worth noting that this has been uh, the goal for Nintendo. Uh, it would exceed PlayStation 4's annual average annual sales, um, but would meet Nintendo's sale targets, um, with Shigeru Miyamoto claiming earlier this year that the ultimate ambition for the Nintendo Switch is to be owned, is for one to be owned not just by every family, but every single person. Uh, so, Stephen, let's throw to you first. Do you believe that Nintendo can still make make good on its 20 million hardware sales? Um, this, is uh, that this like year, lifetime that hardware sales? Because they're pretty dang close if that's what we're talking about. Like 19.67, they've got less than yeah, half no, a million no, no. I to think, go. Or, so I think or, their, their goal is to sell 20 a year. Oh, which in is, one fix which is fiscal huge, year. Okay. Which is huge. I think the, the average that the PlayStation 4 has sold so far is about 18.5 million units a year. Okay. Um, so that's it's it's more ambitious than what PlayStation's currently achieving. So they're pretty close to getting it for the last sort of calendar year. But yeah, Jamie's specifically asking between April of this year and March of next year, do you reckon they can sell 20 million units in that time? I think... I don't know, like the the initial launch, you obviously get a fairly big um, group of people buying it for Zelda because it's a new platform and it's been selling sure. reasonably well ever since because, you know, people want to play Zelda and they don't want to buy it. If they didn't buy it at launch, they're going to grade it, you know, as, they, as time goes on. But mm-hmm. I don't know, with, I guess maybe they're either banking on Smash or something that we don't know or maybe even Pokemon like some... Well. Yeah, yeah, actually... I, yeah, assuming that um, Let's Go is you know as, as popular as a Pokemon game normally would be, then that's probably going to throw them over the line. Maybe even with the mentioning the whole not just for every family but for every person. Maybe a didn't I think they talked about a reduced cost one that doesn't come with a dock or something like that. And like if uh-huh. they if they were able to do that, if you don't need a dock for every single. That's uh, in house. Japan. <clears throat> yeah, I guess if they if they did that, just some way to make the Switch cheaper then maybe they'll be yeah get that plus some really good games that can yeah they seem to be doing the numbers pretty well at the moment that can just boost it over the line with a cheaper model potentially yeah james do you think there's still a lot of people that haven't bought a switch that are still hanging out for one yes i think there is i i think that um in terms of the big hitter games like the ones that the people used to play on 64 and they've never played a game since then, and they're kind of jumping back in with the Switch. Like, those people mm. are really waiting for, like, a Mario Party and a Smash Bros, I would say. Yeah. And they're both games that are coming back this year. Um, Smash Bros in a big way. Mario mm. Party, like, not so much, but it's just one of those games, I think, that will move... It People don't buy their console for Mario Party, but it's another game that kind of adds to the lineup to make a Switch more appealing to those people. Yeah. Um... I like I think between Mario Party, Pokemon and Smash Bros like they've got a huge offering in terms of their mm. like their Q4 game for like people who have already owned a Switch or people who are thinking to buy one but haven't just yet. Um and then you've got like those staples now which is like your Rocket League, Minecraft, Fortnite. Yeah. Um that are on every other console that everyone buys. It's just missing GTA 5. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I have it's got one Skyrim, day. obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I think it's doable. Like, I, I like Steve was saying before. Like, maybe they've got something else. I don't really think they need anything else. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, kind I of forgot like about really Pokemon. <laughs> all bases. Um, Smash Bros is really fortunate because it appeals to everyone. Mm. Um, Pokemon, 
it's a bit controversial, I guess, because it's been simplified, but I think it's a loud minority that has those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm. when you actually look in the real world where people are like, just people who want to play Pokemon, like, I don't know, I feel like that's that's going to do quite well as well. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I think, uh, like, there are still a lot of people sort of hanging out for a Switch. I remember um, hanging out with uh, my 12-year-old cousin over in over in England and him sort of hanging out for a Switch, um, was desperate for one. Uh, despite having, you know, an Xbox One at home, um, he was still real keen to play Zelda and was watching, like, a ton of people on Twitch and YouTube playing it as well. Um, and I think, you know, there's a a whole there's all his friends obviously but there's a huge group of uh, similar consumers that um aren't necessarily early adopters like we're still sort of in the fairly early stages of this life cycle um and if you've studied life cycles like you'll know that for a product um the early adopter sort of period um tends to be uh quite you know you know like steadily growth but not overly huge and it's really sort of picks up in those second and and third stages before it, it really plateaus um and i think it's still to really sort of hit that that massive surge. Um, so I think coming into this holiday period again, like you guys are saying, with a full sort of slate of those Nintendo releases that people really get excited about, um, we could be in for like a massive sort of season for for the Switch, and it'll be interesting to see like just yeah how how what its numbers look like sort of come January. I think it could could easily kind of hit that that twenty million uh, mark pretty pretty comfortably. I think um, I think even now um, a lot of people who purchased like a Wii U and have a Wii U still, mm-hmm. are probably also a little bit more reluctant to grab a Switch given what happened when they bought a Wii U. Yeah. Um, and I think, you think that... I think it's, the Switch has proved itself now though, right? Like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, I think that that, like, parents especially are kind of like, oh, fine, like, you know, nothing, <laughs> we can't get any of the new games on our Wii U and yeah. there's so much on the Switch already, like, we'll just grab one. Like, I feel like... That's also kind of been a, that fear or that lack of confidence in Nintendo has kind of eroded away now as well from yeah. the average buyer, not like the hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also might help see a spike. And like Poke- like I said before, Pokemon Smash Bros. also helps that quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of ambitious targets, Activision are hoping that everyone that buys the Reignited trilogy will be willing to download two of the games. Uh, it has been revealed that Spyro the Dragon Reignited trilogy will bizarrely only have the first game on the disc. Now, it was spotted on the game's website in the fine print, clearly saying the games 2 and 3 require download via internet, meaning that Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage, and Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon, aka one of Ewan's favourite games of all time, uh, will need to be downloaded before you can play them. Uh, it isn't clear how big they'll be in size, but we can only imagine that they won't be they won't be small. They'll be probably pretty substantial. Uh, Steven, is this acceptable? I don't really think so. Like it's it's something that we've kind of grown to get used to on Switch, just due to the whole uh, like the storage medium and costs associated there. But like a mm. Blu-ray is massive. Like you get yeah. multiple layer Blu-rays. It's I'd I'd be so surprised if it was a space thing. I think. It might be to do with like them sort of still putting the finishing touches on the last two games when the first one's gone gold, so they're just putting on the disc so they can get it out into stores quickly enough, and the rest of the games will be finished by launch, so it's okay. But I, yeah, I don't really think it's okay. Like you can't, 
imagine being someone who works in a game store and just has to explain that only the first game's on here and you'll have to either be a lucky person with decent internet or not be able to play the other two for a couple of days while they download. It's just, yeah, I'm not okay with it. It's kind of crappy, really. Yeah, I was going to challenge you, James, with the um, technical question. Um, but yeah, as Stephen as Stephen says, like a Blu-ray is ha, has a lot of storage space on it. Um, yeah, why do you think it's a, a matter of the the development no. cycle just not lining up? I think I I don't think it's a storage thing. I think it's definitely like I feel like maybe they're just trying to get it out before like in September, which is kind of a nice time for it, rather than the onslaught that mm. is October and November. Um, yeah. But, like, the thing that annoys me about this is, like, to me, a collection or a trilogy or something is, like, kind of meant to be this, like, definitive edition. Like, it's all on the disc. It's there. You've got it forever. Like, if you want to return to it, it's there on that disc. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah um, that's, and that's oh, that really... Was kind of, you weren't here last week, but last week we were talking about sort of digital versus um, physical media. Mm. And that was an, an argument I wrote. It's the sort of idea that it's kind of always there. It can't go anywhere. Like, you've got it kind of saved on that disc. But Like like Stephen said, with Switch games, like, mm. if, you bu- if you bought L.A. Noir on Switch and let's just say one night, one decade later you want to play it, you can't because there's no way to download the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit short-sighted, I guess. Yeah. Um, a part of me th- thinks like people will definitely do it because people just want to play Spyro and a lot of people do have the internet these days. Um, yeah. But then the other part is like, well, how long is Activision gonna, or Xbox or Sony going to provide these these updates or these downloads? Um, mm. You know? Um, and yeah, I think as not, well it's it sort of impacted it, like, my willingness to buy the game. But Steve No, of course it, it hasn't because like, I feel like <laughs> they could... F- I don't know. They could be like, oh, you've got to <laughs> run 10 kilometers for it and then like run into the sun and then you can I'd probably have still it. do it you're and right you would <laughs> still do it but i th- i think that especially a family game it's kind of runs in that yeah. when plants versus zombies garden warfare came out and that's only online and there's no offline functionality yeah it's just it's like almost like not really reading the room that yes. much that well if that makes sense yeah no, absolutely. but then Activision as a publisher, like, they must know this is okay because World War Two didn't work without an update. Like, mm. so, and they must have the data that shows that it doesn't affect their sales or something. But Stephen's right. I feel really bad for the people who have to work in, a like, a store or something. Yeah. And you're going to go into a store to buy a physical game and then get told, sorry, you have to download some mm. of this as well, you know? They must have some sort of metrics on like how many of their customers, I suppose, have access to data, like and sorry, an internet connection, and and have reasonable download speeds and stuff like that. Like they must, you're right. They like they're not that dumb, surely. Like they must know that their target market is going to be capable of downloading those other two games. But surely there's going to be a percentage of people that were out, were keen to get this game that aren't going to be able to experience. It what, is yeah, six percent of it now, and it would be a small percentage. And but like, especially people in like rural areas where they don't really have the best internet. Like, sure, I'm, I'm sure that's a big issue in Australia more so than in most places. But mm. like, that's just really disappointing. I'm sure for them. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's like one other thing that would bother me, especially is like it devalues the entire val- the the disc itself. So like you, if you go to trade that in or you're buying a a pre-owned copy later on, the two download games, they've been redeemed. 
you won't be able to buy like once the actual new copies go out of print, you won't be able to buy a, the trilogy as such. You'll just be able to buy the first game, and they'll be kind of worthless, like a like a Destiny disc, where it's just like really a key to let you buy the rest of it separately. It's I don't think of, I yeah. don't think it'll be a voucher though. Like I think it'll just be a the disc will give you a download. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, which yeah. still. Yeah, that- Okay. Which still is the this is that's how World War Two worked is like you had to do an update to get it working. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, that yeah, that, that's I not as bad. It'll be just like an additional install, and like yeah, you'll need to have it to is, get yeah. the it'll, disc it'll installed. Prompt an update, yeah, as soon as you yeah. put it in, basically. But but Stephen still got a point in that you know if you trade that in and then like have many years down the line that the game has sort of been removed from the the store. Mm. Uh, or whatever. Who knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen? This. Well, let's just say the Xbox well servers are down or something, stuff. and you want to yeah. update it. Like you can't. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. that's that's yeah. really not good. I no, hope you're um, right because, like, it just makes me think of. I've got a couple of, of course, because I'm me. I have like some Vita games, like Final Fantasy Ten Two, like the whole Ten collection. You Same buy thing, the thing. Yeah, yeah. You sort of get the the actual Ten is on the cartridge, and Ten Two is a separate download code. So, like, once you've redeemed it, that game becomes half as. Uh, valuable i guess in its physical form which kind of sucks and i hope that doesn't happen here i mean we've already sort of established that we don't think it's a storage issue yeah do we do you reckon gone are the days where you get multiple discs in a box i remember i i feel like it was la noir when it came out on 360 it was on something like three or four discs oh man did you see wolfenstein the new order on 360 that was like five discs oh was it really (laughs) i mean does that is that just never gonna happen anymore that it's gonna be like if there's stuff that doesn't fit on the disc, it's just expected you download it. I don't think it has to. Like I, I struggle to imagine games, at least in this generation, filling a Blu-ray disc. Like, well, yeah, there's, so, there's so much. There are some like retail releases that are two discs, like say the Outlast Trinity, I think they called it, where one disc was Outlast One and the DLC, and the other disc was Outlast Two. Right. Um. And to me, if a developer as t- as tiny as like Red Barrels, who are like this tiny Canadian developer, yeah, can put their game out with a publisher on two discs, but Activision can't, yeah, um, like I feel like this is definitely a time constraint thing. It's more so than a you know than a storage anything yeah. else. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. I, like I just know that you can do it. Like like PlayStation did you know Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain collection, but that was two discs. Um, mm. I don't know. Like, I just feel like I it's think yeah, the Bioshock collection as well was multiple yeah. discs. Yeah. yeah, Bioshock. Yeah, so Bioshock one and two were on one disc, and then Infinite was another disc. Like, yeah, it it happens still. Um, but I'm kind of curious. When- some sorry about those those specific ones. If you have those games on a PS4, do they come up as two separate titles on like your list of games? Or I, don't, I think on Xbox they do. Yeah, because PlayStation. That's I know a it's point. a lim- it's a limitation. Like Xbox does it extremely well. Like Rare Replay, you have one disc, and that just gives you however many games, all as their own separate titles that can be launched separately. But my understanding yeah. is you can't do that on PS4 or Switch. It's sort of a a disc is a game title sort of technically so it would yeah i I assume bioshock would be like bioshock one and two bioshock infinite would be two separate games on the menu and i think that might be part of why we're not really getting multi-disc uh compilations like like what you were saying from memory bioshock was it was like all saved under the one sort of tile so to speak okay that you just once everything was in oh is that right or maybe maybe the second disc was was just installed i don't think it was i thought it wasn't because you could buy them separately on the store i thought 
Oh, I, I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just picking them ass. Now. I think multi-disc <laughs> games like are definitely still possible where where the content can be split, like logically. So like Bioshock, each game is a separate disc or something. But like in terms mm. of like you and like you're probably talking about like for example, like I just finished playing Chase the Express, which is a PS One <laughs> game. But like you halfway through the story, it stops and it's like, please change to disc two. Like yeah. Yeah, like I, th- I think that the days of that are gone. Yeah, mainly because we've stepped away from that kind of pre-rendered cinematic kind of thing that they used to do in PlayStation One days. That's just, yeah, it's a different kind of industry now. It's all about real-time graphics and stuff, you know. And I'm pretty yeah. sure a PS4 would just like stop the game the moment you press the eject button. It'd just be like, your game is ejected. We have quit it for you. So like, yeah, you just can't. I think because like PS1 wouldn't stop the game if you opened the lid. It just kind of stopped it until you put a disc back in and it tried to read from it again, but you can't do that anymore. No, no. Well, it won't be long before Spyro the Dragon Reignited Trilogy is out. And speaking of games on the horizon, Spider-Man is coming out pretty soon and the game has gone gold. Um, Speaking of stuff being burnt to a disc, that means the final (laughs) version is there, ready for print. Uh, James, are you excited to get your hands on Spider-Man? Yes, maybe. I am not sure yet. No, that's very tentative. You're not hyped for it, Stephen? Are you hyped? I'm I'm very, very... like I've gotten more interested in it the closer it comes out to release. Like, I, I try not to get excited about stuff that I'm not, like, super, super into until it gets close. But, like, that game looks mad. And the image that they shared for when it went gold, just it just tickled me in the best yeah. way. I loved it so much. So, yeah, I want to play Spider-Man. It looks really fun. <laughs> I just, I just worry. Like, I mean, I, I love Spider Man. I think this game looks really good. But I just, if it's going to be just another one of those kind of open world Arkham City esque games, I'm not really sure if I'm going to like love it as much as I would want to. I um, think that's exactly what it's going to be like. Well, we'll see then. <laughs> Come back to me <laughs> in like five weeks, and we'll have a chat. <laughs> I think I mean I'm not going to complain because I feel like it's a while since. Oh, is it a while since I played a game like that? Maybe not. Maybe an it's open not. world game. No, I just yeah, just kind of like an open world sort of ticker box kind of game. But then I, it's <laughs> not all that long ago since I played Assassin's Creed Origins, and that's very much that sort of style. I don't know. I like I, I'm sure it won't be like that, but I'm just protecting myself if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm managing I think my have enough fun, just sort of like web slinging about the city that I'll sort of forgive any sort of kind of format that it adopts. But um. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Arkham series, and if it borrows from that heavily, I won't be too bothered. Um, should we play around with what the wiki then, guys? Sure. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, I'm down. it nearly didn't happen this week, because I thought it was just going to be James and I. But uh, I have prepped around, um, and uh, I don't have the score, though. Hang on, let me pull that up quickly if I can. Uh, no, nah, this isn't going to happen quickly. Someone fill, <laughs> fill time. Fill time. Uh, so, um... Thanks, Jamie Penning, the score man. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, score's always provided by uh, at Jamie Penning over on Twitter, the official what the wiki keeper of the score. Uh, last week, he writes, it was a tight affair between Stephen and Matt, but ultimately it was Stephen who took the point in a tie break. Um, so, James, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've been keeping up, but uh, Stephen is gradually encroaching on your lead. You're still safely at the top on eight for now. Brody is two behind on six, and then Stephen's just one point behind him on five. So, Stephen, you've got the opportunity to 
take a take level with Brody and and really give James a run for his money at the top. Can't wait. You nervous, James? No. You feel the pressure? No. <laughs> wow. no. Too much of too much of a pro. Uh, the first game has been submitted uh, by the official what the wiki keeper of the score at Jamie Penning over on Twitter. A reminder that you too can submit a game for what the wiki if you like. Just slide into my DMs over on Twitter at you and underscore Roxborough. Game number one. Contestants, are we ready? Ready. Yes. The available mini games are pachinko, fishing, onsen, table tennis, hanafuda, and karaoke. Forgive me if I got any of that Japanese wrong. Um, including duets, karaoke, including duets with non-player characters. In Haruka's Wish, the players must raise Haruka's trust level. Each main character has a side game or goal which must be completed, and many side games are related to trophies. Akiyama may create friendship with some NPCs by buying these item them items. By buying them items, that's how it's written, folks, or with some storekeepers by being a regular customer. His other mission, create a number one hostess, is to scout girls for the cabaret he owns. A girl is improved by dressing her up and training her. After she Steven? becomes number one... Steven? Yakuza Zero? It's not zero, no. Uh, oh, so- oh <laughs> wow. Don't give too much away. <laughs> Uh, maybe you shouldn't have said. After she becomes... Oh, I've read that sentence. A similar challenge in the Japanese version of the third series release was cut from overseas versions. Sejima's mission, create a fighter, is to train fighters to win tournaments after 50 rounds or less of training, building up movesets, different movesets, allow different moves to be performed. I just want to guess, but I don't... I might as well just guess, right? I've got nothing to lose. Um, Yeah, you can guess, yep. James... James, go for it. It's three or four. Which one are you going to guess? <laughs> um, can I phone a friend? No. <laughs> when has that ever been okay? Oh, shit. Uh, four. You it four? Is, it is four. Well done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what you a round. Out there. Yeah, I did. I admit that was a fluke. So I was, had you, so had you not guessed that, I did have one more paragraph and I was going to open it back up to the both of you. Oh, but, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Good, good guess. That makes you feel a bit good. Good guess. Uh, so, James, <laughs> you're off the mark. A reminder that it is best two out of three. So, James still needs to guess another game to take around, take home the What's points. What's the relevance of Yakuza 4? Isn't three out soon? <laughs> um, a remaster is coming out oh, pretty four, soon for right. PS4, I think. But um, there was another relevance to it, I think. Uh, Link has the Yakuza 0. It's been released this week on PC. Oh, right. Another, like, obscure PC release that probably should have happened ages ago, I think. Um, I'm impressed that you found something relevant in, like, the five minutes before we were doing this show. You've really... You've put in the effort. Oh, that, I mean, that was that was Jamie. No, that was did submitted. all the hard work for me there. Yeah. Well, uh, good one, Jamie. Yeah. I've, no, I'm, I'm far lazier, as we're about to see with game number two. Oh, no. In the game, players assume control of series protagonist as he seeks to stop a terrorist group called the Engineers. The gameplay emphasizes stealth and utilizes the third-person perspective, my favorite perspective. During the game, players can rotate its camera, run, crouch, and leap over obstacles. Since the game intended to continue the, quote, aggressive stealth, end quote, of a previous title, while retaining the traditional stealth features of the older games, it combines action and stealth and allows players to use different approaches and methods to complete objectives and defeat 
enemies. Players can complete levels without being noticed by the non-playable characters' characters' artificial intelligence by taking cover or using other traditional stealth methods. If the player chooses to kill enemies, other players are alerted when they see their companions' dead bodies. To avoid this, players can hide corpses. The game can also create a strategically advantageous dark environment by destroying nearby lights and is equipped with customizable night vision Steven? and sonar goggles. Steven? Oh, no, that last sentence probably ruined it. Um, Thief? It's not Thief, no. It's no. not Thief, Steven. It was like creating dark and doing being aggressive, but then it's like, oh, sonar goggles. Oh, okay, maybe not. Uh, so I'm a couple of sentences off finishing the paragraph. I'll let James guess then, and if he's unable to guess, I'll let you both guess for the final paragraph. Sound like a plan? Yeah. Uh, let me finish that one sentence I got cut off midway through the game can also create a strategically advantageous dark environment by destroying nearby lights and is equipped with customizable night vision and sonar goggles to detect enemies in darkness and see through walls he also has the tri-rotor a compact surveillance drone which can spy oh, on James. enemies James oh, Splinter Cell Blacklist <laughs> it is Splinter Cell Blacklist well done oh uh, man I have that you know... shitty collector's edition <laughs> the tri-rotor <laughs> they included the tri-rotor Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's what saved oh, it. Man. Well done, James. You've uh, you've taken home the points this round. Thank uh, you, Stephen. Do you know what the relevance of Splinter Cell Black- Blacklist was this week? Did that come out on Xbox backwards compatibility? Yes. 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 And it's free on Xbox One, I think. Oh I yeah, think, I mean, it's an accident it. though. But yes, <laughs> it was an accident. It might no longer be. It was free at some stage. That's a Xbox good game. One. Pay for it if you haven't. It's good fun. All the yeah. Splinter Cells are good. I think. Bad time we've got another Maybe. one, right? I'm still so surprised I didn't like show one <laughs> off. <laughs> well, well done, James. Uh, that sits you up to nine points now. So you're defending that lead very well. Uh, and with that, let's bring it into what was episode 148 of the Startcast. Uh, subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au and visit the site at press.com.au. You can join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast, just like Jamie did this week. Thank you very much for both your What the Week suggestion and your topic suggestion. Uh, we've been joined today by James yeah you can find me on Twitter as always I'm on at jams so it's A-T-J-A-M-Z and we've also been joined today by Stephen yeah um, find me on Twitter at Stephen Impson I'm on all the socials and I talk about old PS2 games apparently (laughs) and I've been your host Ewan Roxburgh you can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh until next time happy gaming see ya (laughs) 